so we're gonna get to a fun segment of the show now it's called hook you up and this is a, a part where the uh, guests that I have will hook the listener up with something that they really recommend uh, this is we're not affiliated affiliated with any of these things it's just honestly I just want to uh, let the audience hear about something different that my particular guest has in mind for that episode um, that something that they enjoy or brought value to their lives it could be a book that they're reading or a song that you can check out just something that they want to bless your life with um, that might add some value or benefit you so Emily what are you going to suggest to the listeners today um I think one thing I would absolutely suggest is go to dinner by yourself and don't go on your phone, bring a journal. Uh, I did this, uh, I want to say for my 22nd birthday, and I took myself to a five course dinner tasting menu. The restaurant was called Bacchanalia. It was in Atlanta, beautiful, beautiful restaurant, Uh, farm to table concept meal, very bougie. But I saved up money for this restaurant. Like I wanted to go for years and I finally had enough money to go to this restaurant and not feel like it was taking a huge chunk out of my wallet. And I wasn't even, the only time I pulled out my phone was to take pictures of the meal because I wanted to remember it. But I remember having this beautiful experience of the server told me to grab the garnish and put it on top of my tongue And it was, I forgot the name of the leaf, but I put it on my tongue and it melted into a sugar soluble. And it was a plant. It was so fascinating. I didn't write it down. I was just so like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this just happened to me. This is a plant. I didn't have a chew or anything. It just became a sugar water soluble, like so sweet. And it was such a amazing experience I had so many great dishes but that was my favorite part of the meal was that because it was an experience I've never experienced in my life um and I think it's one of those things where like even if you're not into fine dining or something if you're into wine go to a wine tasting by yourself because the thing is I've come across this concept of like how am I going to expect some guy or man to treat me the way I want to be treated if I don't even take myself on these dates At the same time, I set the bar really high for myself because I take myself on these wine dates. I go to like these travel excursions by myself, like going to New York City for a weekend just to just eat and enjoy myself and going to fine dining restaurants where I'm dining for like two, three hours by myself. So but the thing is, like, you should have these high standards for yourself, because why wouldn't you want your partner, whether it's a woman or a man or whatever, um, or gender neutral person treat you like the way you want to treat yourself. And you can't expect someone else to do that if you don't do that for yourself. So I think it's really important to take yourself on these beautiful dates. Because at the end of the day, you come into this world by yourself, and you leave this world by yourself. Unless if you're a twin. I mean, that's a little but even then, like one comes out before the other. So That's true. That's a really good thing to hook everyone up with. Um, Hopefully you guys will try that. 
when you get a chance, take yourself on a solo date. You know, it's it's okay to do things on your own. Um, <laughs> it's not a sad thing if someone's eating at a restaurant by themselves. I've seen people go to the movies by themselves and you know, those are some things that you can enjoy and, and really, really contemplate, I guess, why you're doing it and, and what you're feeling at the moment. And when you can just sit by yourself, um, it's like what RuPaul says, right? How are you going to love somebody else if you don't even love yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so like something I've done is, uh, taking more bubble baths, And I mean, that's usually a solo activity anyway, but it's, it's, it's something that, uh, that, you know, it's just time for myself and I can really just relax and just be with myself (laughs) and, and not really have to think about anything else or be on my phone. Um, but that's, that's a challenge, I think, uh, you know, suggesting for people to take themselves on these solo dates to, to get food on your own, to eat by yourself. I think it, could, it definitely can be a challenge because people aren't used to doing that. It's like, but what, what will I do? Who will I talk to? What am I going to look at? <laughs> but try it out. Um, I really want to see what you guys think of it. Um, so you guys can either message Emily on her Instagram or message me or uh, tweet me. And I would love to share experiences that you guys share with me. And um, maybe I can share them on a future episode how I went with you guys trying this, trying to take yourself on pamper, solo pamper dates and solo dinner dates or movie dates. And I really want to see what you guys learn or get from that experience. Um, so I wanted to close the show out, but I realized I forgot to ask you something, which we can go into more in a future episode if you prefer. But um, I'm sure people would like to know how are you making a living? being a nomad, how long do you see your yourself being able to sustain this lifestyle? And what are your plans in the future? And comparing yourself to your peers that, you know, maybe took a more traditional route with education and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, how are you making a living? And, and what are your thoughts on that? I've been doing odd jobs every year and there, um, just being paid under the table kind of thing, like working for my auntie real quick, doing some menial office tasks that I can't stand doing. And also, it's one of those things, whenever I tell people I travel full time, they immediately think it's so expensive. And honestly, for me to travel full time, it was actually cheaper than to stay in Denver. If you're willing to make the sacrifices like sleeping in your car, camping, all that stuff, and not staying at a hotel or Airbnb the entire time, traveling is fairly affordable. I mean, you just need enough money for gas. Um, I am starting to get at that point. So like in the beginning of the pandemic, when the stock market crashed, I put pretty much all of my savings into the stock market and was like, this is an extended Black Friday for the black, uh, for the market. I mean, I did really well with my investments and my stocks and all that stuff. So I've been kind of living off of my savings, also living on the generosity of people's couches and being a semi-pro couch surfer. Um, and just like when you start traveling more, you start seeing how generous people are, especially if you just come with good vibes. Like they're willing to take you in and feed you and you know show you the love um humans are meant to connect with each other and i think we start to forget that when we live in major cities because the hustle and bustle 
Uh, so right now I'm not making a steady income. I'm not, I'm blowing through my savings. That's for sure. Uh, this coming up fall, I'm going to have to start working again and go back into the rat race and go into the capitalistic world. But that was a big part of why I moved back home to Virginia was so I could do this for the summer and just live out of my car. If I stayed in Denver and was paying the amount of rent that I was, I wouldn't have been able to afford this lifestyle. Um, will I be able to sustain this the rest of my life? Not right now. I'm hoping like I either win a really huge lawsuit and make a lot of money from that <laughs> and be able to just travel full time or, you know, become a very wealthy person with um, whatever business adventures I do or investments I do. But until then, like I can only do this at increments of time, which is like probably like two to three months at a time. Um, this is probably the longest I've been on a nomadic lifestyle. Also, I've worked in special ed for six years of my life. So I'm able to find babysitting and nanny jobs fairly easily. So I've been able to do that. And that's a really awesome way to just make a side hustle and make money. I was working as a nanny 25 hours a week, and I was making more money doing that than working in public ed for uh, 50 hours a week. Wow. And how do you compare yourself to like others that maybe you went to school with or where they're at now as far as, you know, college debt is a huge thing. If anyone mm -hmm. pursues a different degree after that, like, um, you know, I, I had my dietetic internship and, you know, a lot of my peers went out of that with a lot of debt as well. Yeah. So dental school, anything like that, how do you compare um, to, I guess, your peers on that aspect with uh, your finances go and do you do you regret anything or do you feel like um, what are the pros and cons of you know I guess your type of lifestyle versus the traditional like go to college <laughs> uh, get your master's get your PhD whatever get uh, get a good job 40 60 hours a week mm -hmm. honestly I think in my early 20s not I think but truly how I felt in my early 20s I felt like I was behind than all of my peers I felt as though I was less than everyone, that I wasn't as intelligent as everyone else. But then I start to realize that everyone else is just as intelligent as I am. It's just in a different sense. Um, and in the States, I feel as though the education system is very flawed. If you don't fit into the system, you're considered uneducated and stupid and all this stuff. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting to see that. I remember growing up, they put me in a learning disability class, because I didn't think like everyone else, I was very different. Uh, the way I learn is not the way of learning terminology and reading definitions, I learned in a very tactile way. And I think that's why I struggled a lot in school is because until I went to California, and in California, I excelled um, in the school systems there because they cater to my learning style. And yeah, so I, I think one of the moments I realized that I'm like totally content with my living lifestyle and whatnot is I was in San Francisco, I met up with my girlfriends from high school. And one of them just finished up dentistry school. Well, the other one is finishing up law school and we were just talking about student loan debt and all this stuff. One of them, the one that went to dentistry school pulled out 250K to go to dental school, which is 
ridiculous because this person's going to be helping the population to have better teeth and better dental health. That's more expensive than getting a house. Yeah, exactly. So they said by the time they pay it off with interest, it's going to be half a million dollars. So double that, double Mm -hmm. the original 250K for dental school. And my friend who's going to law school is in the same exact situation. And I just like looked at both of them and was like, you do realize I have no degree and technically on paper, I'm not educated at all. (laughs) Um, So with that being said, but the thing is like, even though I don't have any degree, I will probably always have more equity than you because I have zero debt. My car's fully paid off for, I have no credit card debt. I have no student loans. Um, I have my associates, but I don't have my bachelor's degree because the thing is I started applying for school. And since I have a Roth IRA and I have investments, my estimated family contribution is more. So at this moment, the U.S. government sees that I am financially equipped to pay for school without a Pell Grant. So I don't qualify for the Pell Grant anymore. And I started looking into it. And the last two years of my schooling is going to cost me about $30,000 just for two years of college. And to get your associates. No, to finish my bachelor's. Oh, degree. finish your bachelor's. Yeah. Yeah. To, so, cause I have my associates. Mm-hmm. I just don't have my last two years of, to finish my undergrad. It, w- um, it would cost you 30,000 extra to finish those last two years to, in order to, to get your bachelor's degree after you've already gotten your associates. Yeah. yeah. Just for two years. So I started looking into it because I'm super frugal. I think it's, that's what comes with first generation American is like, you know, especially Asian Americans. I don't know how your parents are, but like, I remember my biological parents were very like frugal. It was like very, uh, like it was ingrained in me to try to find the best deal as possible, always haggling and stuff like that. And I started looking into schools and universities in Europe. And even if you're not part of the EU, it costs only like two to 10 grand for an undergrad, even if you're not part of the EU. So at this point, it makes more sense for me to learn a European language like Italian, German, um, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, all this stuff. It makes more sense for me to pay for for a private tutor to learn this language and just finish my undergrad in Europe, as well as get a cultural experience. So it, it would only be about, you said two to 10,000 for the whole degree, like yeah. four years. Uh, yeah, for four years or oh something my gosh. like that, even a master's degree. Uh, so a lot of the universities in Europe, their master's degrees and master's program and PhD programs are actually taught in English. The only ones that aren't really taught in English are undergrad degrees. So with that being said, a master's degree out there, even in Switzerland, depending on which school you go to, a master's degree there is anywhere from three to like 10 grand for a master's degree. And undergrad is about the same, even if you're not part of the EU. If you're part of the EU, it's actually free for most of the universities. Oh, wow. Yeah. Imagine that. Free college. Um, and I, I have this, like, kind of conspiracy theory or whatever. I feel 
like in the States, the reason why education is so damn expensive is because they want people to be stuck in the rat race. Because you incur, like the fact that we're expecting kids straight out of high school, 17, 18 year olds to go straight to four year university and get themselves into $45,000 in debt. That's like the cost of a brand new luxury vehicle at a lot of times. We expect them to get that amount of debt. If they go to a public university, if they go to a private, that's easily 80 to 100K for their undergrad. And we expect them to get into that amount of debt at such a young age without understanding truly the concept of interest. And and we don't set them up to understand personal finance and how to grow wealth. I seriously feel like it's because it benefits the capitalistic world and capitalism. We have these people who are uneducated to incur all this debt. So they're forced to work in a workforce, even if they're miserable at their job, because they feel like they have to because they have debt. And I feel like that's really backwards. Like, why wouldn't you want your future generation to be educated? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just like, who knows? I feel like only like Jeff Bezos really knows because he's <laughs> <through> space. <laughs> he planned but this whole I, thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I've been so, um, so like against going to school in the States because it's just, I see how other countries are handling it and handling educating their public in their communities. And I just see that because like I originally was going to school for psychology and I worked six years in special ed and decided it's not for me. Now, if I went the traditional route and I went and got my degree in psychology and was forty-five, sixty thousand $60,000 in debt while it's incurring interest, I would feel right now, I would feel like I have to stay in the field to pay off my student loans. Whereas I didn't traditionally finish school, so I don't have any debt. And that's why I feel okay traveling for three months plus. I mean, like I've been traveling nonstop pretty much since December 2020. And I feel okay doing that because I don't have any debt. Right. You're able to allow yourself that freedom of you know, not having that burden of, oh no, I have credit card debt. I have my, my, I have this expensive car that I have to pay off because, you know, I want the newest thing. Everyone wants a new car and the newest phone and whatever. And, and you're, and no student loans either. And that's amazing. You know, I don't think, um, the majority of people I know have paid off their student loans and for you to be, um, already not having to worry about that, that's a huge plus. And for you to be able to travel freely for now. Um, and yes, you know, you're, um, like you're, you've accepted the fact that you're, you're going to be working jobs that might be odd jobs for now, you know, until you find something that's more suitable and more long-term that can fund your lifestyle and just provide a life for you going forward. But at least your expectations are there and it's nothing 
um, that will overwhelm you, like becoming, you know, these other jobs that require so much schooling. Not that there's anything wrong with it. You know, there's pros and cons of both um, or multiple different uh, ways to attain your education or your training or your career. Um, you know, everyone has their own reasons. And, uh, but I feel like you're doing something that's going outside of societal expectations and familial and cultural expectations and pressures of what you should be doing. And you've kind of paved your own way, uh, your own understanding and your own pers- uh, perception about that lifestyle. And, being able to go forward without having that financial burden of debt. <laughs> so that's, that's definitely a huge thing. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, there's this thing that one of my friends posted on Instagram saying that the eight hour workday isn't actually a full eight hours of work. It's mm-hmm. the average person who works an eight hour workday only gets efficiently, I think like three to four hours there of like efficient work. Um, and they say the eight hour workday is more, more so there to burn you out. So you have this instant gratification of going on Amazon and buying things because that's, that's the only energy you have after eight hours of being at a desk and to go back home and just overconsume content on Netflix. And that's why the eight hour workday is so beneficial is because it actually benefits the capitalistic world of overconsumption. That is crazy. It's blowing my mind. I feel like we yeah. could get into that <laughs> a lot more. But it could be a whole nother episode. Oh, yes. Because the thing is, after an eight-hour workday, are you going to go on a three-mile hike? Most likely not. You're no. going to turn on the TV because it's the easy thing to do. Right. Are you going to go learn a new language and, ex- you know, learn a new language to go explore a different country in, in the future? No, you're not going to have the energy or time to do that. Are you going to practice a new craft or start a new hobby? Most likely not. You're probably, it's probably easier for you to pick up your phone and order Grubhub or order Amazon, something to fulfill your immediate needs because you're just so tired of dealing with being at work for eight hours. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to see that. And I remember when I was working a corporate job, I didn't really get that much work done. I was not a very efficient person. I was just there. Most of the time, and I would do small tasks and get it done really quick and then uh, go on Facebook and look at memes. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the time. <laughs> I see that with my friends who work in the corporate world, too. Like, you know, one of my other friends, he's constantly texting me while he's at work. And, it, and you're and like, dude, aren't you at work? <laughs> and he's like, "There, I have some free time or I'm multitasking or whatever. And like multitasking isn't really a thing. Uh, you're focusing, you can't do everything at once at a hundred percent. So while you're texting someone, you're focusing on texting someone while you're finishing up a task, uh, stuff like that. And it's really interesting to see that a really good book that I would recommend is the four hour work week. And that's a book that talks about overconsumption and efficiency and how to have quality work experience. It's not talking about just like, you know, it it talks about how it like optimizing your time. And I feel like that's something that we lose touch with with the eight hour work week. 
Like, honestly, whenever I become a business owner, I'm not going to expect someone to work nine to six. Because the thing is, like, as long as you get the task done, that's all that matters. If you get it done at three in the morning and it's before the deadline, I could give zero fucks. Uh, Some people just work better at night. And I feel like we forget that. Although like during the pandemic, I think people have got like businesses have had a better understanding that working from home actually benefits a lot of people. People are not miserable commuting. They're not stuck in traffic for an hour or two before going to work and after work. So they have more time to themselves to recharge. That's so true. I I have some some close friends that, you know, used to be workaholics and would take their work home or or work, you know, till the evening hours. And now they've really, because of the mandated stay at home, they've really enjoyed staying at home (laughs) and they didn't expect that at the beginning, you know, it was a challenge for them to get used to. But then later on, they, I guess, learned about themselves that, oh, wow, I actually can do this. I can stay at home and be perfectly content and happy and still be productive. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Emily, thanks so much for chatting with us. Um, Can you tell us anything that you're working on or launching soon so that the listeners can check out your your work and your content? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that I am going to be working on is I used to be a former YouTuber uh, back in my high school slash early college days. And I plan on rebranding that channel to better fit my lifestyle right now. Um, So that's something that I'm going to be working on. It used to be known as nothing to everything and it's gonna be rebranded as Ready Emmy. So it's just ready, the word, and then Emmy, which is the first three letters of Emily uh, without any spaces. So I'll be rebranding that sometime in the fall time after I'm done road tripping. And this road trip has really inspired me to get back into my creative side Um, And I'm hoping from there, like I'll get back into the YouTube community. I miss it a lot. And there's some other things I want to work on some other passion projects. I'm just, I'm at this moment in my life that I am not meant to work at a corporate job and at a desk. And I'm meant to do a job that is fulfilling and creative. So I'm going to be working on my creative outlets. Will I be a starving artist for the first few years? Probably. But will I be a lot happier? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically, yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. So um, if you guys want to find Emily later on, definitely check out her YouTube channel. And then what about social media? Where can um, people reach out to you? Um, Right now, I just have one main Instagram handle, and that's esh.co. It's spelled E-S-H dot C-O. And on there, I post daily Instagram stories about my travels. I haven't gone around posting Instagram posts just because I want to focus my posts on photography and I'm really lazy about my hobby in photography and nature photos. So yeah, but if you're curious about what I'm doing on a daily basis, I do a daily post on there. Um, I do go through moments where I'm not posting because I'm just out in nature. But yeah, besides that, check it out. I'm really friendly. If you ever need any advice on traveling, just shoot me a DM through my Instagram and I will respond to you within a few days. (laughs) 
Awesome. Thank you so much. This is again, this is like insane. I can't believe we're doing this right now. Thanks for being my first official guest on the pod. <laughs> Thank you for being so awesome and like bearing with me, like because I mean, I'm a total newbie at this, but thanks so much for being like amazing and sharing your experiences with no secrets and just being an open book. Um, it was just amazing. Like, I just enjoyed talking <laughs> with you so much. I feel like your positivity just rubs off on me every time we interact. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. Thank you so much, Roxy. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys want Emily to come back to diverge further on any of the topics she has talked about, let me know and we can definitely make it happen. <laughs> so thank you so much, Emily. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you soon. Have a good day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you like the podcast, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and Facebook at MFMPpod. And to keep the conversation going, you can use the hashtag MFMPpod on Twitter to share your favorite quotes and memes or comments about the podcast, as well as any questions you have for me that I can potentially answer on future episodes. Or you can always DM me on Instagram as well. And consider supporting the show by visiting patreon.com slash many faces, many places. Until then, I hope you will stay tuned as we hear more from the many faces of many places.